Hello, and welcome to The Artist Pivot, a weekly conversation with artists about their current pivot, past pivots, and every pivot in between. I am your host, Ayana Major Bay, an actress who wants to educate, empower, and celebrate artists so they have no option but to thrive. On this episode, I am joined by the multi-hyphenated Sherrod Williams. He grew up in Newark, New Jersey, the middle child of Kevin and Pamela. A Capricorn in all the best ways, Sherrod is a dreamer, go-getter, and natural-born leader. He graduated cum laude from Montclair State University with a dual major in communication studies and dance. After discovering a desire to perform in college, his path led him to appear on stage and screen, with some credits including Hamilton, an American musical, Chicago cast, and both Tuck Everlasting and Cats on Broadway. Most recently, he has ventured into screenwriting and producing. We talk about how Sherrod executive produced, created, wrote, cast, and starred in his own web series called Neighbors, a series that amplifies people of color and the queer experience, how Sherrod believes his superpower is connecting with people, and about his favorite quote, life's too short to live the same day twice. Here's our conversation. All right, y'all. Today, I am so excited to say that joining me on this podcast episode is the one and only Sherrod Williams. How are you doing, my dear? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to speak to you. And as customary, because this season I've been asking this question, so I know I asked, how are you? But what I really want to know is, how does your soul feel today? And have you had enough water? Like, what's your hydration level like? You, these are great. Come on, Ayana. These are great <laughs> questions. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. Um, my soul actually is in a better place today. I think that I'm going through a season of of recalibrating in a sense, like mm-hmm. getting back on track for the things that I want and that I've been manifesting for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And um, so today is technically the first day of a new journey for me. Um, I'm mm-hmm. starting this program that's really going to help me to get the education and the foundational skills I need to level up in the way that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's day one of that. I don't want to say too much about it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's happening. So I think I just woke up in a very excited place because I'm doing it with my friend, um, Daniel, and mm-hmm. he was kind of excited about it earlier this week. And I just felt like I can't even think about Thursday right now. And, you know, now that it's here, I woke up like, I'm going to go to Staples and get a notebook and get my favorite coffee from my favorite coffee shop. And like Mm -hmm. today is a good day. So I feel great. And um, I have yet to have that coffee because I've been in Zoom meetings and running around, but it's still on the list. Um, So (laughs) water has been the go-to. So I think I am um, at a decent level of water intake. I wouldn't say that I am at the the fundamental amount that a human should be at for the day, but I'm, I'm making my way, sis, making my way. Good, good. That's all we could ask for. Right, right. All we could ask on our hydration journey. Come on. You're like 64 ounces every day? Right. We, 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 well, we had a cute, a cute 12 at the moment. Um, right, right. I'm here for, okay? Hello? Like one sip at a time, babes. What, what, listen, what did they say? One step at a time? It's one sip at a time, okay? Truly, truly. <laughs> never forget. Live by that. <laughs> Live by it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. I love it. I love it. Oh, okay. 
I'm here for this conversation already. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Me too. I was just sitting here like, let's get it. Let's get it. Okay, so um, a little background here, y'all. I know Sherrod from Montclair State University. Mm-hmm. We went to college together, um, and it was a good time. <laughs> it was. MSU. Yes, MSU. Um, but since then, sir, you have made some strides and some pivots in your career. And the latest one has been, which I love the name, honey, I love it. Your Cocoa Dusted Productions. Thank you. <laughs> love the name, okay? And out of that, the first gift to the world you gave was your web series called Neighbors. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's this current pivot, y'all. But before we dive into that, I want to go back Like, I want to go back to some of your prior pivots that you made that were either voluntary or involuntary in your life. Yeah. You know, I I wonder if I even knew at the Mm -hmm. time. Like, I think the earliest one I can think of was deciding that studying classical music was no longer my thing. Because it was all I knew growing up. I went to a boy choir middle school and a performing arts high school that both um, specialized, for the vocal majors at least, in classical music. And it just felt like a dead end, in a sense, or or, or it just didn't feel right. Let's say that. I don't want to say it's a dead end because it definitely isn't. Um, but for me, it felt that way just because it didn't sit right in my spirit. It was just all I knew. And I think I was aware of that and I just wanted a big change. So even the idea, like you said, of going to Montclair State was A, about going to a school where a lot of my friends didn't get accepted, so I could leave them behind as well, but also just figure out what my thing was. And I think that was the first like kind of pivot because I went to school undeclared my freshman year for, you know, all of fall and half of spring. I didn't have a major. I was just like, I'll start with my genetics. I know I want the on-campus experience. So, you know, I'm just living. I'm just here. I'll figure it out when I get there. And, you know, I, I eventually did um, <laughs> in more ways than one. But yeah, I think that was the first big pivot in my life where I was like, I just stopped singing completely and was like, I'm just a normal person. And who is this person? Who is Sherrod? So that's the first one I can think of that was, I guess I would say that is voluntary because um, I was like, I'm just going to take control right now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Understood. And then I know that like... You had told me prior that a couple of other pivots was like, one, moving to New York City. That was a big pivot for you. And then (sighs) after we discussed that, there's one I took a note here that leaving your agency and going to another one, that's one, that's a touchy one for artists. If we leave our representation to go to another one. So we'll get to that. Let's start with moving, (laughs) right? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yes. But let's start with you moving to New York. So I I was fortunate enough to book a couple non-union national tours right out of school. Mm-hmm. So I did like my first season out of school, I did a chorus line. And um, the second season I did bring it on. And I was like, okay, I'm like young. This is like a decent amount of money. And I didn't go to school for musical theater. So it felt like the fact that I was booking these shows and like with roles, like parts, like speaking feature parts, like not like just dancing, you know, just dancing anymore was exciting for me. And it was like this whole new world. And I remember um, 
doing the two tours and feeling like, okay, I don't think I want to do another. I will audition again for a couple and see if I could do a third if I really want to just keep building credits. But I don't know if, if going back on the road is my thing. And I didn't get any that next season. So it felt like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to stay put and stay, you know, grounded in this like life here on the East Coast and just like figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. So I moved out of my parents' house for the first time because I hadn't needed to because I was always on the road. Like I would be there for a little bit, book a tour and then leave for like six to eight months and, you know, come back and whatever. So mm-hmm. it was like that beautiful cycle. And then I moved in with my friend, Lauren, we moved to Jersey City. And it was like the biggest change of my life at the time because I feel like I emptied out my savings account from this touring to like just move and start this life. And was again, another moment of like, I'll just figure it out when I get there. Like, you know, I I really came to terms with the anonymity of being an artist, the not knowing what's coming next, the kind of just waking up every day and making your own schedule or like this auditions Mm -hmm. today. So here I am. And tomorrow I have nothing and Mm -hmm. that's okay. So I was, Mm -hmm. I got really used to that and accepted that in college. I went through that whole phase. So this whole, like, I'm going to empty out my bank account would have scared the crap out of 16-year-old, 18-year-old, even probably 20-year-old Sherrod. But at that time, at like, what, 25, I was like, let's do it, girl. We got to move out. We got to be independent. Mm -hmm. So me and my friend Lauren found like a cute, like perfect two-bedroom in Jersey City, lived there for a year. About, I want to say, it was like a couple days after my, I want to say 26th birthday. We had just moved in. No, it was a year later. So, you know, we were there for about a year. And we get a, I wake up to a phone call from my landlord basically telling us, get out. Like, you have to go. In a lot um, more cryptic words. And okay. she had, like, a okay. really thick accent. She wasn't like, get out. But but the premise of it was very direct. It was like, I need the apartment. How's a month? Good? Good for you guys to get out by then? Sounds good. Very that. And okay. it became this month, 30-day journey where I was like, do you move to another apartment in Jersey City with Lauren, or do you go to New York? And... Mm. I struggled for a long time secretly with it because I just felt like I was letting her down because at the time in our friendship, I I felt like she relied on me a lot. We relied on each other, don't get me wrong. But I I knew in my heart of hearts that the prayer and the dream was always to be in New York. And Jersey City was me settling for what I could afford and what I could make work. So I, at some point, decided with my friends that you know, other than Lauren, that I think I'm going to try to jump. I feel like this is God kicking me in the butt and being like, stop being a punk. Stop being afraid. Move to New York. Um, Mm -hmm. You can do it. Like, I'll take care of you. I got you. Just like, just go, just jump, just jump, just jump. And I probably, what, three or four days before I had to vacate the apartment, finally found a sublet. Um, Funny enough, with Ta- it was Tavia's room, who you interviewed in a previous mm-hmm. episode. Hey, Tavia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was her room. She was going on a ship. And I already knew her roommates from like dance and the world and auditions and had met them. And so it was like a, it was like an extra in. They were like, oh, we love Sherrod. He'd be perfect. Like we can live with him. So it just, it, but it was like, I'm not kidding, three or four days. But it was such a struggle that month because I just felt so bad because Lauren was like, the first day I called her to be like, the landlord called and we got to go. And she's like, oh my God. Like she freaked out and mm. she had like the, I will never forget. She was like, so we're, we're moving together. I'm assuming we're staying together. So we got to start looking for apartments. Like it, was, it wasn't even a question in her head. And it was right. the biggest question in my head. I was like, right. I feel like I'm supposed to take this open door and have and walk faith through it. and yes. walk through uh-huh. it. So uh-huh. I did. 
Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. And that's, moving is no joke, y'all. We all, if anybody's ever moved, you know that. Um, right. But yes, it's, it's a moment. It's a moment. It's a moment. And with that, I also want to move on to, whew, like I had mentioned, leaving your representation. Now that's a pivot <sighs> as well. That's a big oh, one for us God. that we don't actually talk about. <laughs> we really don't. And it happens all the time, you know. Yep, yep. It's just growing pains. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's it's one of those you start to get to a certain level in your career and you start to want more. The dream never, ever um, disappears, at least I would hope, because artists, I was listening to a podcast today um, where this actress was saying like, you know, as artists, we're never satisfied, never satisfied, always dissatisfied, mm-hmm. always, you know, it's the idea of leveling up, wanting more. The dream just mm-hmm. becomes bigger, better, um, greater. And I think that I was realizing, okay, I had made it to Broadway in a sense on my own. Like it wasn't on the backs of any real groundwork from my agents at the time. Mm-hmm. I kind of was one of those people that just happened to know the right person who really liked me and kind of rode them to the top and broke through the glass ceiling um, when it was my time. And it was truly, truly based on my connections. Like even my, I'm, if you haven't noticed already in the however long we've been recording, mm-hmm. I'm a story person. So I can just like spiral through the stories because I have to go on a linear way because my brain just works that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I had I had gotten to a place where I was just like, okay, I want representation that really takes me seriously and really sheds a little bit more of a spotlight on the good work I'm doing on my own and, mm-hmm. you know, meet me at that place. Not really just taking the commission because I emailed the choreographer and got myself into the room and then got the job, you know? Right. So yeah, I was, I would, I was walking to an audition. I had planned it all out. I wrote the email, drafted it, and I have to take a little bit of ownership. Like, you know, I'm not going to share all the good and not the ugly. I have to take a little bit of ownership of the fact that I wasn't really letting them know probably enough how dissatisfied I was. Mm, okay. Um, I probably could have spoke up a little more and said how I really, really, really deep down was feeling. But mm-hmm. it was one of those, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I'm, I'm booking enough. I've, I've gotten to a certain status and level you know, I but I, I but I also felt like in my defense, me saying something to my agents and sitting down and having that conversation really wouldn't have changed much because it was one of those agencies, um, as I call them, the sister agencies. Like, I mean, I'll just say it. I was with Block Agency, and um, you know, I feel like Block and Say Clear at the time back in the day, they were like the big stock agencies that had a lot of dancers, mm-hmm. and you know, it's easy to become a number because there's so many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, they're not submitting you and picking up the phone necessarily to say, Sherrod is the right person for this. It's like, they submit you and three other black guys and maybe you stick. So, um, mm, okay. you know, I just, I was walking to an audition. I had planned the email out. I wrote it in advance, drafted it, had probably somebody read it knowing me. Um, and mm. I was like about to walk into this call and I knew once I sent the email, I couldn't be on my phone every five seconds seeing if, when, and how they replied. So I sent it, put my phone <laughs> in my bag, started stretching, talking to friends, did the audition. I didn't look at my phone until after it. And it, it it was, you know, their response was, was, wasn't really truly from left field, but it was thin and it was um, annoyed and they were upset. And it was my two weeks notice, mind you, but they cut me that day. They were oh, like, wow. oh, oh yeah, remove me from the system. I got the emails like, you're no longer, your representation has been removed. From It was like, right away, you're done. You're dropped. And <laughs> it was the best decision I ever made. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Yes, because you were looking out for you. You were Truly. you were looking out for you and your best interest. And if you felt like a number at this agency, then you leave. And yes, yes. I know. I know the 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 other side of that is trying to get agency an agency to represent you in the first place. Yes, I understand that, but also like you can't be beholden to that. Like luckily, I love all my agents and I am able to talk to them and have a conversation and be like, okay, let's talk about this. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm looking for this. Do you agree? Oh, great. We're on the same page. Let's continue. Yes. And I envy, I I would envy, I mean, not now, but like back then I envied that situation, like that, that beautiful connection, that relationship that you're describing that you have with your representation. I envied all my friends that have that. I was like, I feel like I call and it's like, oh, he can't talk to you right now. Like mm-hmm. still, like we're mm-hmm. all, we're, like I understand like when you're non-ec and you're like trying to get in there, but even at that point, you still shouldn't be getting that response. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it was yeah. like, I, I, it was annoying me that I was like, I'm even what second Broadway credit in and it's still like, oh, he's going to try to call you back today before the end of the day. It's like, right. uh, you know, where my agent now, I love her. I can text her. I can call her. It's like, it's, <laughs> and, and I also, again, have to share the blessing of, of, of me being brave enough to leave was supported by the fact that I already knew that I had another agent lined up. Like it was mm-hmm. like the, the contract's been waiting for you on the printer, baby. Like you just let us know when you're ready to jump and right. we've been waiting. So I, I had that in my back pocket. So I'm like, thank God. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been that brave to be in the, out here with nothing, like no representation, nothing. Just like God, you know, right. Cause woo. <laughs> right. Fair. That's fair. Yes, yes, right. yes, 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 yes. But but you took that that jump and that leap and that pivot. You're like, okay, I got to leave this situation. And it benefited you. And mm-hmm. so I know there's one more you told me. So before we get to your current pivot, I want to talk about you uprooting your life to move to Chicago to do oh Hamilton. You are, come on, drag me. Um, Like, it, <laughs> Ah, here we go. Y'all ready? <laughs> Get your blanket back out because story time. Um, <laughs> I was I was in a period of like, you know, the regional circuit was was great, was doing all these regional jobs and like judging dance competitions on the side, like mm-hmm. the things we artists do to survive and, and get through. And I will never forget, I had just gotten off a plane. I definitely, definitely at that time, if I'm not mistaken, was like, totally flu ridden, like had gotten the flu somewhere along the way, struggled through the competition weekend, like flying back was disgustingly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I like barely made it back. I remember I just wanted to get on my couch, shut it down. Like I canceled all my auditions. I was like, um, Asian, I can't go. I can't do this or this. Just cancel it. I feel terrible. Um, and she was like, great. So we're like, what? We fly back on a Monday from competitions. It's like two hours into like, you know, rest, recoup, get it together. And I remember my phone ringing in. I was like, girl, didn't I say I'm not doing nothing? (laughs) Um, And I pick up the phone. She's like, hey, so I know you're resting, but you know, here's the thing. Hamilton just calls. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, they want to know if you'd be interested in swinging. And I was like, absolutely not. Nope. It's a strong no. It's actually a never for me. Um, Thank you so much. And it became this like conversation that was like her trying to suss out a way to approach it because let's keep it a buck as we always do. Hamilton is that beast that especially at that time, they don't take no. Like if you say mm-hmm. no, it's definitely like, okay, well, you're chopped. 
you're done. Oh, like a no like, forever. Like yes, they go. Yes. They're gonna ghost you forever now. Yes, babes. It's like the mm-hmm. the the clout and the the level they had reached. They it was like strong arming you into some category, which really at the root of it is about there's a hole that we need filled and. And the roster of people that are in the family, the arts, Andy Blake and Bueller family is is getting low. And you're one of those people that are, so we can just plug you in. Like I, thankfully enough, didn't really audition. Mm-hmm. Um, I never I had never been through a full audition process. I've just had done two Andy Blake and Bueller shows in my career and was kind of always in the family. And I did pre-production for Hamilton, like, you know, helping to be a body to see the photography on before mm. they went to the public. So, you know, the stories I could tell you. Um, <laughs> but for this story, yeah, that phone call came and I was like, no. And my agent told them and they were like, okay, mm, I don't think that that's the right answer. So the next morning <laughs> right. I wake up to a phone call and a voicemail from casting directly calling me being like, we got to talk, call me. And I was like, oh my God. So, so like literally I, I call my agent like, yeah, she just called me. And they were like, yeah, um, it's probably because your first Broadway show was she, because that was a, a whole other story where came in, saved the day and talk everlasting. So it was like the credibility and the reputation was there of like, this kid is talented and he can come in and get the job done and well. So mm-hmm. she she mm-hmm. was like, I really don't want you to miss out on what this could do for your career and what it can do for, you know, I get it. Like you don't want to swing. I get it. But. You know, kind of laying out a laundry list of perks that come with saying yes to Hamilton and what they do contractually that is better than any other normal contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after like, you know, going toe to toe with her and being like, girl, you can lay out the list. But like, I'm telling you what I know. Like, I, I'm This is not my first rodeo. I know what I'm comfortable with. I know what I'm happy doing. And me removing myself from New York and the hustle and going to Chicago, like find a new apartment furnish a new apartment, like start a whole new life. That mm-hmm. was not on my radar. I was like, that's mm-hmm. not where I'm at. Oh, Ayana, let me tell you. But <laughs> I, in the end of talking through it and going back and forth, I got well enough from the flu like a couple of days later that I could go sing. And it was literally like, all you have to do is sing. Like, I was like, can I please just like audition for the next tour in the fall, please? Just, I want to be on stage. Just please give me a shot. And they were like, no, this is it. It's now or never. And I was like, Ugh. So, right, right. And it's like Hamilton, you're like, I get it, but I, I'm willing to wait for, for the track and the thing that works for me. And that's, and let's hold space for that. The bravery mm-hmm. of being able to say that to them. Cause right. I feel like a lot of artists just would be like, yes, please, whatever. Like pay me less. I don't care. You know? Right. And I was like, no, like no. I'm a black artist and I, you know. And I know what I want. Come on. Right. I know what I want. <laughs> Period. Like the end. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I went and. I, again, it changed my life and I wouldn't change a thing about it. It it really was, even some of the people that were able to help me bring neighbors to life are rooted Mm -hmm. in that experience. Way back to Chicago. It's just, God is setting you up. Right, come on. Ooh, wait. Come on. You're making me yell because my devotional this morning said, honey, your setbacks are actually set ups. Come on, so right? I'm gonna cry. Hamilton was gonna be a setback, honey. That was setting you up for neighbors and your production company that you currently. Yes, have. babes. Literally okay. that. That in a nutshell, it was like, a setup. Yep. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the setup because that's that's like. I'm so proud of you when you put out that, y'all, oh, my web series is out. But actually, I know that you were writing prior to the pandemic. So the web series and you writing and, you know, finding your love of screenplays and all of that happened before the pandemic. But the pandemic 
has been a time for you to, you know, in essence, birth your baby and birth yes. this web series. And now you're, what is it? What is it? Coco Dusted Productions. Oh, I yes. love that. Yes, so let's, you. let's dive into that story. It's crazy because it, yes, you are 100% on the money. It's, I was reading um, the book, Big Magic, I want to say by mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert. And she kind of talks about this idea where like ideas come to you and they'll leave you and go to somebody else if you don't act on them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it had always kind of stuck with me, this idea from when I kind of got to Chicago for Hamilton that I was itching to do on camera stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got to take class and learn and grow and, and, and figure it out. Cause I, I really think I could, I could do this. Like, I really think I, like, I don't need to be the next, like, Viola Davis. You know, I, I, I'm fine, like, doing a couple, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, like dreaming small shouldn't have been, but, like, I was just keeping mm-hmm. it real. Mm-hmm. And it turned into Hamilton ending, moving back to New York, and the idea was still there. This, like, like where's the show that we used to have, at least when I was in high school, like the Noah's Ark, like the four gay black friends, you know, like when's, when's the next installment of that coming? Like we've got Sex in the City, we had Noah's Ark back in the day, and then nowadays we've got like, you know, we've got um, Insecure and looking for the white gay guys, but it was like, when is the next big mainstream installment of that? Mm-hmm. And not that that creating that was the goal, but I was like, well, bitch, why don't you write it? Like, what, like what, what's, what's up with that? So... And I've always had a way with words. Like, you know, English and history were always my strong subjects all throughout school. So I was like, okay, that writing, it didn't scare me. Screenwriting scared me. The, mm. the craft. I was like, I don't know what that is. So I got to a point at like the fall of 2019 where I, you know, who knew that that would be my last time on stage pre-pandemic. Um, mm. But I got there and I got like a survival job um, at a box office of a theater, which was basically me behind a computer all day answering the few phone calls. And I uh, was like, this is it. This is how you learn. You have time to sit here all day, make money, but just be working on your own shit. So I just started. I just opened up a Microsoft Word, not even a, a legit screenwriting program, Microsoft Word document, opened the screenplay template and just started. And just started mm-hmm. going and going. And like, you know, and I just am such a, my friends are such colorful characters in real life that I was like, it's us. Like if a camera was on the wall right now, we'd have so many episodes. Like I've been saying mm-hmm. that on every trip, every excursion, every adventure, all the time, like me and my, like we are a show. So mm-hmm. that's why I started. I started writing and, you know, fast forward to now we're in the pandemic and everybody's crying because Broadway's done and I'm secretly like giddy because I get to go home and stay home and make coffee and sit on my couch and write every day. Like mm-hmm. just keeping it real. Like I was strangely fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but God was setting me up. So um, here we go. Fast forward to the summer. You know, this is me surviving so much of the pandemic where I was still writing this one script. I was doing readings on Zoom, you know, with friends to like hear it out loud and doing all the things you're supposed to do and like trying to learn and grow by doing that. And I got to a place where I felt good about my pilot and I was sending it to folks who had friends, friends of friends. And it just felt like another form of waiting, waiting for some white person to say, yes, I deem Mm -hmm. you worthy. You have created something that I can make money off of. Like not even like for the culture, an experience that needs to be shared, a story, a point of view that we need to hear. Not even for that. I was like, you, right. you're you waiting for some white person to say, yes, okay, it's your turn. And that really pissed me off, especially in the wake of everything we were going through last spring and summer and really truly like heating up even more the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter movement. So I was like, I just want to have control. 
and do my own thing. So what if I start small? So hence came Neighbors, a little story that is like loosely based on real life with a lot of fiction and a lot of fake scenarios. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the friends and the people, especially the people whose names are the real names of real life, it's like really based on them. And it just was such a like, aha, this is it. Like Issa Rae did that. She started with the web series. That's how you do it. You start small. You build your own platform. And I did. And I was like, when I tell you I executive produced, cast, show ran, wrote, created, like, and figured out I was good at editing too, like was, was leading this baby until the end. But the point of it, I always try to stress was that it really wasn't about trying to get to Netflix or HBO or like level up in that way. It was really about experiencing Mm -hmm. and giving myself and my friends an opportunity to tell a story, to continue to use our craft, but to also grow in an area that you're not used to. Like my deep director of photography, my DP, never done it before. All my directors, Mm -hmm. first time directors, I had never really done anything cinematically on camera this extensive while I'm leading the show. I had never written a whole script, like all seven episodes. I like everybody was in a new lane. And mm-hmm. when I tell you slayed to the max, like yes. to the max, like I'm so proud because first time filmmakers, it's scary, but you know, yeah. we just got selected for our, our what fifth film festival this week to be yes. screened. So it's like, God is, God is in the blessing business always. And he is, and I'm clearly supposed to be doing this. And Coco Dusted is, you know, now feeling like the real deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. I mean, you took this time to take a leap of faith. Like, because even though you were like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what Truly. I'm doing. But I'm going to do it. Right? Like, it's that. It's that. I have no clue. That. But, and I've been saying that, I think I said this in two other past episodes, you are building the plane as it was flying. Yep. Yep. And you're like, I a hope I got at least faith. all the parts with Yes. <laughs> and it was a pure, pure leap of faith because I was like, it, because you just, you take it in stride, right? You take the affirmations in stride and let that fuel you until the next checkpoint, the next affirmation checkpoint. And for me, I've always been that person. Um, mm whether I labeled it as that or not, but I've always been that person where it's like, you know, God has done so much in the past mm-hmm. that I can't not believe that he's going to keep going and keep doing it. So every, every, every new person that jumped in, like all my music, half my musicians whose music I used is their original music. And mm-hmm. I met like 60% of them doing Hamilton, Chicago, mm-hmm. truly like my, my music composer who composed all the underscoring, original underscoring, one of my besties, one of the leads from Hamilton, Chicago, Evan R. Stanley. Like it's just, it was just a total collaborative effort where people see you hustling, see you working, and they want to be a part of it. Right. You know, and that's right. such a beautiful thing and such a good feeling because it's like you. It's again another affirmation to keep going. Like I want to mm-hmm. be on your team because I because you're doing it. Like you're you're and you're not playing. You know, because right. you can't start and not finish. Like you know, here you are, season two of this mm-hmm. podcast is like, it's just the consistency and the determination to just keep going because your intentions are in the right spot. Like that matters. It just matters. Right. Yes. Yes, it does. And imagine just for a moment, if you didn't take that Hamilton contract. Oh my God. Im- imagine. I, uh, <laughs> I, it really, that's such a, you're right. I mean, you're, you're just right. It's, I don't know where I would be it, and I can't even, say better or worse, I, but I, it, everything 
even the growth and the the belief that I could do more as that came from being a swing and having to be in the mm-hmm. wings and to just mm-hmm. to be independent and to to let those feelings of like I would be on stage killing it and like people are complaining and they hate it and you would love to be doing it every day. It's mm-hmm. like just what it took to deal with that. What it took when it was crunch time to do a part that aesthetically or or you know um what you do artistically, you know, doesn't lend itself to that part as easily and having to figure out how to make it your own and make it work. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all that stuff it made me do that I didn't know I was capable of doing that I needed to get to this point to think that I could, again, show, run, create, executive produce, write, cast a whole web series. You know, I, the bravery that mm-hmm. takes me like, I'm going to do it and it's going to be good. You know, like it. <laughs> right. 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 Like, OK. Um, right. Right. So <laughs> I'm going to do it. So like, but yeah, you're right. You had to grow to get to that point yes. to, to be able to say, no, I'm going to do it. And I know I now possess all of the skills and the patience and the resiliency and the abundance to do it. Yes. I now yes. possess it. So I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And so I would ask you, what are any words of advice to artists you know, other artists, our colleagues, our friends that are, you know, we're still having a hard time right now and yeah. still trying to figure it out. And, you know, it, it's OK. What do, what do I do? Or do I, you know, have this project and do I go ahead with it or do I wait until the world is normal, quote unquote normal? Who knows what that's going to be? But yeah. like, what would your advice be for artists right now? It's so funny because I, I think that the first couple of things that came to mind listening to you ask the question was the first thing was make it personal, you mm-hmm. know, and, and be selfish and not in the like negative connotations that come around being selfish, but just being selfish and making it about you. Because mm-hmm. at this time, comparing yourself to others is even more easily done because you have time to do that. Mm-hmm. But but the world is leveled to the ground in a way where for be it a couple months, a couple weeks, or like to this day, the people who you felt like were ahead of you or above you, they don't have a job either. Mm-hmm. So like this is the moment to capitalize on the reach you now have because people have yes. slowed down and yes. they they are accessible. And and I really feel like I'm in a season of seizing the opportunities in that way, where it's like before the world tick, tick, ticks back to normal, because I feel like I do feel like we're on our way. Mm-hmm. Um, we It's like, make sure you grab on and latch on and level up and connect to all those people who may not be as accessible when we are kind of back, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. really, I think if so, if you have that project, build that team, that winning team, that team of people. Like it's that concept that Issa Rae again talks about, like look to your left and your right for the people who are right next to you on your level, which right now is everybody in a sense and grab them, connect with them and get together and move up together. And that really drove neighbors and how I built it. I wasn't looking to to look for a distributor or I need like an award-winning director. I was like, no, I I have a hub of talented friends who nobody knows or like some people do know. And I am like, yo, what's up? You're going to direct, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and we're going to do this together. And if we fail, we fail. But like, we're not going to fail because we're too, you know, full of ideas and love and determination and charisma to ever fail. Like we're going to, we're going to do it. But I think that that is that it's just making it personal and seizing the opportunity right now because it really isn't too late. And you and you don't need anybody to give you permission. You just don't. 
Like right. make it about you and do it, period, the end. Make your own work. Like you don't need to be, you know, chasing these jobs, these, op- like make your own opportunities because <laughs> being on the other side of it, it just feels so much better when you do. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. Oh, yes, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all your stories and your pivots. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I was like, you're talking so much. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Listen, this is, this is, like I told you, this is your time, honey. Let's yeah. talk. Let's, let's, let's talk. share. Let's be real. This is what it is, you know? I love it. I love and it so much. Yes. Oh, thank you. And well, before I let you go, before I let you go, I must say something to you. Yes. And that is that I acknowledge you, I celebrate you, and I uplift you. Thank you. Ooh, that hit me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very, very welcome. Oof, because you need to hear that more than you think sometimes. Wow, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sharad, thank you so much for sharing. Realizing what you thought were setbacks or actually setups is such an aha moment, and they are the best. Your desire to grow and experience and bring those around you along for the ride is inspiring. If there is something you want to do and you have no idea where to start, I say make a list of the possible things you think you would need, pick something off that list, and start. You never know what will come, or snowball if you will, after you just start. If you get a chance, watch Neighbors, the web series. I have included the link in the show notes. Thank you again, Sherrod, and thank you for tuning in. I'll speak to you soon.